Hi, my name is Kanal, and welcome to the Geeks of the Valley podcast, which connects with some of the brightest minds globally who are leading their respective industries today to discuss the hottest upcoming industry trends and how their work is affecting the global economy. What started off as a coffee chat has now grown into a global platform for visionaries. This morning from Miami, Florida, we have the current board member of Banco Sol South America, one of Bolivia's largest financial institutions and current head of the SoftBank operating group, focusing on scaling, knowledge, and crypto. Please welcome Laura Gaveria Halabi. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kunal, for having me here. Very impressed with your Spanish pronunciation of my name. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, and how are things with you in light of COVID? Um, good, actually. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm I'm based in Miami. In Miami, we had like a a, a privileged situation, um, based on on the fact that it's everything can be done kind of outdoors. Uh, the weather is good. We did go through like four months of lockdown but at the end we just had like a i think a, a very privileged situation with the with the rest of the of the world and and we're able to to keep our lives as as similar to to before covid as anyone else and then the city benefited from that fact and today we have a really strong community in the tech and venture space in 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 Miami that was starting to be created years ago but that completely boomed after after covid and speaking of the tech space tell us a bit about your background and how it led you to be a leader at the softbank operating group focusing on scaling knowledge and crypto sure good well i am colombian originally i was i was born in medellin and grew up in bogota and i think being colombian and and living in 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 south america for so long has played a, a a super strong role in who i am today i come from a very entrepreneurial family especially my my father in the coffee business so grew up with amazing role models um around me that was just wherever they would see a problem they tried to find a solution and fix it through entrepreneurship and i think that 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 was was very important for for me to see um i was also always surrounded by by different type of people and in a very young age realized that even though sometimes they had the same level of of talent the difference between some of those people and myself were the opportunities and i think that that's that's the same for for a lot of people in that time that just don't have the the right opportunities and for me, those opportunities early on, I realized that were around access to education, access to financial services, and actual and 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 just access to a very strong like social network that just can help you open doors uh, along the lines, right? Um, so I always knew from the very beginning that I wanted to do something around that space. Didn't know exactly what, um, but around that space. And um, and then started my career as um, not even my career. Like I started studying applied mathematics because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to to do. I knew that I wanted to work with something related to education or be an entrepreneur, but not exactly where. So I'm like, I'm just gonna basically go and study something that it's gonna teach me how to how to think. 
um, and when I when I had the chance to do my first um, internship, I kind of had discussing with my father that I would go back into into potentially doing something in in government. He's like, look, you know what? The best way to make an impact is uh, as an entrepreneur or supporting entrepreneurs. So I ended up starting my career just in financial services in a traditional um, venture, eh, venture, no, in a in a traditional bank. So my my first actual like internship job was um was a as a Deutsche Bank in in New York, and and I stayed there for for a long time, and although it was it was interesting, I didn't feel that I was making any impact to actual people, right? Like I was so detached from the actual folks that I, in theory, wanted to support that it didn't make any sense. So I left the, um, the bank to, to actually do my own entrepreneurship in, in Latin America, in Colombia, and started a, a broker dealer um, in Colombia. And that was an amazing experience. It, it shaped a lot of, of my knowledge as an entrepreneur, but it also the whole focus was to, to create like a, a fintech company, it was not called fintech at that point, but it was to, to create a fintech company that would um, allow more and more people to have actual access to financial services, from savings to trading to, to the whole spectrum. And, and for me, that opportunity would allow people to, to create more companies, to be more entrepreneurial, and hopefully create more opportunities for, for, for Colombia at that point. So that was, was my first um, experience with actually being a, an entrepreneur. Um, worked a lot in, in the space of, of crowdfunding. Um, I don't think it was even called that at, at that point, but in Latin America and in Colombia especially, we could do very small sales of real estate assets um, through the concept of, of um, like fiduciary trust pieces. Now I we call it more like uh, like tokenization in the in the crypto space or something along those lines. But but at that point it was very important because it would allow people to invest uh, very very small amounts of money in assets that usually you would have to have a lot of resources to be able to to be part of them. Um, so that was even before the Jobs Act in the U.S., which uh, regulated kind of the concept of crowdfunding. Again, it was only allowed in Colombia along real estate. But for me, it was fascinating. It was like if, if you give more access to people to 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 own, um, to be able to be part of the economy, you would just open um, very very big doors for for folks. So always passionate about about the concept of democratizing access and giving people uh, opportunities. Um, I had my company for several years and then I exited. And since I had studied uh, applied math and, and basically gone to a very good school, but, but not in my concept of best school in the world, which was um, MIT, because I went and played division one volleyball for, for that, uh, for, for American university. When I saw my company, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to apply to one school to do my MBA. And this would be my my sabbatical before I decide what I'm going to do in life. Um, so I, I applied to, to MIT, got in, and I think it was one of the most exciting years of, of, of my life, going back to school. And, and it was kind of being um, a kid in a, in a candy store, just taking on all the knowledge and, and knowledge and being open to, to a bunch of opportunities and, 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 um, and new technologies that I wasn't exposed before. 
Um, so when I when I left uh, MIT, I I wanted to go back to very clearly work with with entrepreneurs. I found out of the concept of accelerators. That was back like in 2015. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back and start an accelerator for, for, um, for Latin America. But actually was recruited by a, by a good friend now to open the concept of, of developer portal at Citibank. I kind of had promised myself never to go back and work in a bank after, after all those years in, in financial services before. This was a very different way to work in a, in a bank, um, it was basically trying to figure out what would be those bridges and integrations with small and newer companies and startups at that point that were changing the world through financial services and could be connected with an institution like City and basically accelerate City's transformation and, and accelerate City's penetration everywhere on the world. That was a, a really cool experience. I, I joined a, an amazing team. Um, and basically, our team was um, in charge of finding those very cool, different things that were happening in financial services around the world and connecting it to, to city. I got to travel basically three weeks out of the month for years um, to, to Singapore, to the Middle East, to Africa, of course, to Latin America and Europe as well. And it was really in incredible to, to see the difference on how the financial services space was developing in each region, depending on very specific needs. So when you would go to Singapore, you will see all of this amazing technologies around, I, I don't know, AML and KYC, or very specific on, on, on just becoming better and better technologies, but would you go to to Africa and Latin America is just like, how do I get more people to actually just have a bank account? We need to start from the basic and 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 and, and going and and solving for for penetration. So it was it was really interesting, and, and I, I fell in love with the with the concept of, of financial services even more, and, and how it opens and, and brings new opportunity. Uh, I stayed there for a long for 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 a while. I ended up being global head of fintech acceleration for, for the entire organization. Um, we did a lot of open innovation challenges to, to source those amazing entrepreneurs, things like the City Mobile Challenge that had um, that had the series all over the, um, the different countries. And we have we had the opportunity to get exposure very early, like that was around 2015, early for me on on crypto solutions, on um, companies like Coinbase that 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 and City Ventures ended up being invested or or a lot of solutions that were trying to make sure that you would track um you would track that donations were not being misused. Companies like ATEC, for example, was one of the solutions that won at some point one of our global challenges that we did in terms of solving integrity issues around the world. And, and it was just a, it was just a very interesting time. And at that point, I'm like, okay, it would be great to not only be able to source these amazing entrepreneurs, but I want to invest in them as well. Um, so after, after having a, an amazing a career at the city and, and it's an institution that I think shaped a lot of, of my knowledge today, I wanted to be in the investment side. So I left city um, to, to, 
to play more role from a from an investing perspective, uh, but always with this concept that I wanted to continue accelerated entrepreneurs, so it shouldn't be only like an investment role. Um, I was part of a of a fund called City Ventures for a while that it's based in Miami. Then I helped the IDB Lab go through the transformation uh, of going from the FOMIN, which was um, a very traditional type of institution to what it's now the IDP lab led by, by a good friend, Irene Arias, who are basically leading all the early stage grants and, and, and investment in, in Latin America and the Caribbean and all these places where, where sometimes investment is, is neglected. Um, and, uh, and finally, I learned that Marcelo Claure was going to launch a fund uh, out of SoftBank specialized only in Latin America and out of Miami. And for me, that was like kind of like my my dream job, working with someone like Marcelo Claude, who I had uh, followed his career for a while and 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 came to admire a lot as as an entrepreneur and everything that he did with with Brightstar. Um and uh, I said if I can if I can work for for Marcelo, that would be amazing and now uh, I got the upper, I would get the opportunity to actually be a hundred percent concentrated and and working for for Latin America. So I I got the chance to to speak with him. I was uh, basically hired uh, as employee number one of the operating group at that point. The fund was just barely starting. Um, that was over three years ago. And, and with Marcelo, I was not joining a fund. I was kind of joining a, a mission. And I think all of us felt the, the same way. And it was on, we were in a mission to transform Latin America. Um, and basically three years later, it has been incredible to see that that mission was accomplished um, by being part of a, of a great team that, um, that has invested at this point almost over 8 billion in the region. And we have... Uh, close to 100 companies right now in our in our portfolio. So that has been my journey and now that's how I ended up in 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 um in uh, in SoftBank um which is I think right now one of the most amazing entrepreneurial platforms in in the world and and also being part of the SoftBank Vision Fund family of funds it makes it even more powerful and and the synergies that that we can have across portfolio companies is, is very special and very different from, from other funds in the space. What a phenomenal background, uh, Laura. And in speaking about SoftBank, uh, the company has a reputation of supporting entrepreneurs beyond capital. What, what does that mean in your eyes? Yes, actually, I think that's one of the, the most important things that 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 Massa believes, right? Which is, it's not only about um, bringing capital to entrepreneurs, which is something that, of course, we have, but it's like, how do we bring um, and spark synergies across the different companies in the portfolio? And how do we bring operational support to, to our portfolios? So right now, um, in, in all of our funds, and then just talking specifically about Latin America, we have basically two groups, a group that is responsible for all the investment decisions and us, which is the operating group that is led by Alex Shapiro uh, out of Brazil, um, where our role is to basically help in the, in the sourcing of, of opportunities 
go through that support in terms of due diligence process from an operational perspective. And once the companies are part of our of our portfolio, then helping with all their their key strategic needs, right? From uh, geographic expansion to a little bit more in terms of product marketing and and technology with all of their people, talent, and and organizational needs. Um, and I think that makes us very, very different than any other fund, um, um, any other fund, and especially in Latin America, where it, we always talk about Latin America as if it was one one big country, but it's not. Every country is is very different culturally, law, regulation, and it makes it a very tough place to do to do business. And that's where an organization like ours can help our, our entrepreneurs either as they start to, to scale and, and, and become uh, even more regional or global um, to be able to go easy from one side to the other um, because of all the knowledge that, that we have behind. So, so basically the, the, the main thing that we have that puts us and differentiate us is this operating group where we have very different professionals internally that have clear expertise in sectors or, or, or topics that are going to help our companies further. And given this operating group, you have what is called the SoftBank Operator School. What is the SoftBank Operator School and why is it important? In a sense, what are you trying to achieve with it? No, exactly. So we have, um, remember, we started the, the Latin American Fund three, three years ago, a little bit over three years ago. And um, basically, I remember the first six months, I, I was able to be in touch with 100% of our, of our new companies and, and CEOs. I would say that even potentially the, the first year, um, I I was actually able to 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 meet personally every CEO. We were able to support them on a on a one to one basis, um, and it would make it easier for us to just be very one on one with each portfolio company on on helping them with all their their operational needs. And one of the key things that we started to realize is, is more than the support from SoftBank, the way they would benefit themselves even more was by talking to each other, right? As my, my father always says, um, there's very smart people um, that learn from their own mistakes. And then there's brilliant people that not only learn from their own mistakes, but learn from the mistakes of others. And that was the key, right? How do we get the experience of other successful entrepreneurs to um, teach and basically share their, their learnings with some of the others. But in the beginning, we would have basically that most of our founders wanted to speak with the same one, right? To the, to the same CEO that had already made it, that it was already a unicorn company, let's say. Um, and, and after a while, they would kind of make no sense to use all the time for, for, the, for the same entrepreneurs to, to talk to the same CEOs on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So we're like, how do we not only make their knowledge more scalable, but also the support that we as an operating group bring to our portfolio companies more scalable? And we created this concept of the SoftBank Group Operator School. We have a SoftBank Group Operator School that is external, which anybody can, can join. And today we have almost 45 uh, masterclasses taught by our 
our, our own entrepreneurs and our operators and some very close people from our network on topics like um, how to become a better operator and, and founder on fundraising and, 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 and just all those, those topics in the middle of that space. We also have a, a SoftBank Operator School for Founders and Leaders that it's only internal and it's only very specific for our portfolio companies. And it makes it such that once you become a, a SoftBank um, company, basically we bring you even more um, special content and access um, that, that, that anyone else in, in the ecosystem. Um, and the whole thing around that is how do we make our operational capabilities and our network more scalable? And we realize that this would benefit as well uh, the community. So we now have it open for, for the rest of the world. Um, again, we have almost already trained and upskilled 8,000 people from 50 countries around the world. Of course, mainly people are based in, in, in the US and Miami, especially because we're here, uh, Latin America as well. We have the content simultaneously translated to Spanish, but we also have closed captions in Portuguese and, and Spanish. Um, and actually recently got a request to basically a, from, a, from a university to translate all the, the content in Turkish because they wanted to have it more accessible to, to their entrepreneurs. And, that, and, that, and, and that's what we want. We want as much as possible for people to learn from the exceptional founders that we have internal, from some of the exceptional operators that are part of, of, of the SoftBank uh, family and from our network on how to keep bringing amazing solutions to the ecosystem. And hopefully a lot of those companies uh, become companies that we invest in as SoftBank or some of those people that get up skills through the program become employees of our portfolio companies. And just in general, we get more people to be able to, to teach each other. Uh, so that's why we created it. And um, and we just want to keep it, uh, make it bigger, make it more accessible for everyone. Translate it to as much languages as as possible, but 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 make sure that people have access to this amazing tool of and wealth of education from our founders. And I hear there is some exciting news in the works around launching the SoftBank Operator School Crypto Edition. Tell us about this. It seems to be quite an exciting masterclass that you guys are putting together. Yes, we are launching our season three. So this would be a 10-week um, curriculum program where we're going to have two sessions um, per week. Um, and we will have over 25 experienced founders and operators and fund managers uh, teaching all the foundational skills on how to navigate Web3. But it's it's mainly for Web two companies um, or traditional companies that need to understand why is this important, why are these technologies relevant, what are the foundations, what does it entail, and basically what are the new business models that Web three is unlocking, and how can potentially they should be thinking about them to incorporate within their businesses if it makes sense. We're going to, again, make it open and available for everyone uh, around the world. Um, and, um, and the idea is to go through this, through this journey and spark not only to our portfolio companies um, the, the, the knowledge that, it, that, that it's important to have in this, in this blockchain era and blockchain revolution, 
but also to the community so that they are more aware of what's, what's outside, what's available, and what are these business models, and how are they super powerful, and they could bring benefits to whatever company they're, they're putting together. We've done this in the past with other key technologies that that we believe are 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 really important and 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 in the center of what we do, like the concept of of AI, um, which we're very passionate about, and and we believe that it just brings incredible modes. And 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 again, we've done very interesting educational programs around uh, AI and bringing more data and analytics uh, literacy into our portfolio companies and into the community. And we want to do the same with, with blockchain and, and crypto. And speaking of this shift from Web 2.0 to Web 3.0, given your experience as a venture capitalist uh, with extensive exposure in the fintech and crypto space, how can a Web 2.0 entrepreneur land an opportunity within the Web 3.0 industry? Is the barrier of entry uh, difficult to overcome? I think in, in, in Latin America, um, especially, um, the, the opportunity is, is gigantic on, on becoming kind of the, the center of the, of the crypto revolution. Today in our portfolio, we have around 100 companies and very few of them, I, I think a handful, um, are basically in the Web3 space. And I believe that in a couple of years, we're going to see that all of them will use this technology in one way or another, right? Either just the blockchain perspective of it, or, or if, if, if they start leveraging crypto, basically leveraging some of the business models that can come out of that. And in Latin America, in, in especially is important because the core principles of Web3 are aligned with the reality of our of our region from the very beginning. Um, I don't know who used to said this, but, uh, but I think it was fascinating that basically everyone in Latin America is born a macroeconomist because we have to deal with so much turbulence around our currencies and around our governments that, um, that we need to become a little bit different and more ingenious about how we understand the, the economics behind everything we do. So Web3, with the core principles of, of ownership, right, which provides more control uh, for people to monetize their work, um, basically the concept of governance, where it's creating new business models and new opportunities for for a to empower people and organizations to have a say in, in how things are, are, are governed and, and put the user again as a central um, and like the epicenter of, of any solution. And basically it also helps uh, a lot with incentive alignments around tokenization models to make sure that, that people who are the users of the product get more benefit out of it that within centralized models. And I think those core three principles are gonna be super important to keep unlocking um, business models in the region. And we're gonna see more and more companies coming into the space. There's still a lot of 
of of lack of 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 knowledge right and and there's lack of still of, of developers and this is not only specific to latam but it's um relevant for all over the world and that's why we're also bringing this level of education um to the region and and globally um but there's a lot of interest in this space and we're seeing the amount of investment um skyrocket we've always had in in latam very very relevant um tech innovators and in every good technology if the best talent is moving there to actually build then there's something special happening right and i think we're seeing some of the best entrepreneurs in the region and some of the best builders and 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 technology folks starting to get into the space and bring solutions and unlock opportunities so we're going to see a lot of that coming further and we just need more and more people to to be aware of the power of this technology It's still super super early on 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 what things can bring to the table but um but i think the opportunities are are there and we're, we're just going to see new business models exploding and 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 existing and we just need to make sure that everybody has the the skills and the know-how to be able to take advantage of them and and bring relevant solutions to the region and given the explosion of these business models when it comes to crypto what is softbank's investment strategy and what is the team's view on the future of this space? So, um, for us at SoftBank, we're not um, we're not focused specifically in in crypto, but we also understand that it's a revolution that it's happening. And if there are companies that are bringing amazing um, amazing uh, solutions that are relevant to our to our market, we're going to be investing in them. Um, a year ago. SoftBank as a whole did not have a lot of uh, didn't was not looking at opportunities in this space, and today we have almost two billion dollars invested as a as a as an organization in crypto. We started with um, with more foundational stuff that was uh, independent of of um, the the currency, let's say, or the of the crypto part of it, like infrastructure deals. Um, and analytics deals such as companies like Black Demon, for example, or QuickNode out of Miami, um, some of analytics companies as well, like Elliptic, some NFTs and, and metaverse plays like Sorare and, and, and the Sandbox. And more and more, we're seeing great opportunities that are coming out in Latin America, for example, we're invested in exchanges such as Mercado Bitcoin, and Bitso and ETF solutions like like hashtags. So we're not we're not as an organization just focused on crypto and looking uh, at crypto um, uh, from a from a tunnel perspective. We're basically continue as an organization to look for the solutions that are changing the way we play, the way we work, and the way we live. And if those are transformation, transformational and in addition are leveraging the power of blockchain and crypto, amazing, right? But it's not like we have a, a specific focus uh, only for that. We do believe that it, it is a revolution that it's happening um, and, uh, and that we have to be mindful of the space and be close to entrepreneurs who are building great things in it and that it could be a potentially a transformative um, 
a, a transformative technology for, for the region. And we just want to continue as a, as a fund to look at the best opportunities and the best founders that are coming out of Latin America. Laura, to wrap up our call with our last and final question for the day, what piece of advice would you give to people out there from the journey you've had so far in life? So my advice would be not to let fear stop you from following your passion. And if you're an entrepreneur, currently the situation, the, the market seems a little bit complicated, but there's never been a better moment in time to be an entrepreneur than now. So if that's something that you're thinking of doing or dreaming of doing, you should just go out, build, and hopefully one day um, present to us and, and we can be an investor. And for the people out there who are interested in speaking to you or learning more about the SoftBank Operator School, what would be the best point of contact? Yes, I have all my social media accounts are at Lalis Gaviria. That's L-A-L-I-S-G-A-V-I-R-I-A. We're going to be um, posting applications soon. Make sure you check all the content that it's going to be there. Um, everything is now open and free and, and accessible at uh, softbankgroupoperatorschool.com as well. But make sure you sign in for this third season, be able to join live the sessions via Zoom and ask questions to our amazing speakers um, and experts that we will have during the program. Laura, it was a pleasure having you on Geeks of the Valley and thank you so much for joining us today. Kunal, thank you so much for having me and I hope we'll talk soon. This podcast is brought to you by Pytone, an Asian-based open source enterprise software company. Pytone offers a suite of software applications and infrastructure services to scholars and universities. 